Well, good evening. It's good to see each of you tonight. Turn, if you would, tonight, if you would, please, to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4. The singing was good this evening, at least where I was sitting. Being on the front row and getting to hear all the voices come in this direction, that sounded good. So I hope it sounded good where you were. It may have just sounded like a joyful noise where you were, I don't know, but uh, nonetheless, nothing wrong with that either. Let's go to the Lord in prayer, and we will get started. Father, it is good to be in your house tonight. Lord, we're thankful for a warm, dry place that we can come to this evening. We're thankful, Lord, for the moisture that you've brought, away, brought our way again. Lord, we're thankful uh, just for the way that you've blessed this land uh, so much in recent weeks. And Lord, I pray that as we uh, take a few moments now to look into your word, I pray that you'd help us to uh, apply this to our lives where it would need to be applied. And Lord, that you'd help us to remember this, uh, because this seems, at least for me, to be something that I can easily forget. And uh, pray that you'd help me and that you'd help all of us, Lord, to remember this for quite some time. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Tonight I want us to begin by thinking about something. I've said this many times before. I know that you know this to be true. I just want us to uh, get thinking in the same direction. And so I'm going to try to help us along a little bit tonight. But I want us to think about this truth, about this thought or this principle that if you want to be great at anything, it will require a measure or a level of personal discipline on your part. Would you agree with that? That if you want to be great at anything, it will require a level or a measure of personal discipline on your part. Now, you could illustrate that in any number of ways. I'm just going to mention a couple of them tonight so that you understand what I'm talking about. But suppose somebody wants to be excellent, or they want to be great, or they want to excel in the realm of playing an instrument. Then here's what we know. There has to be a measure of personal discipline associated with that instrument in order for them to become great or for them to become uh, good at that instrument, whatever it may be. You understand that, right? You, you can't just pick it up from time to time and assume that you'll get good at it. You can't just practice once a week and assume that that'll be all is, that is needed in order for you to be good at that instrument. It requires a lot of effort and a lot of personal discipline on the person's part. Suppose a person wants to get really good at their line of work, whatever it may be, and they say, you know, I want to excel in my line of work. I want to be one of the best in my line of work. Well, again, it is going to require a measure of personal discipline in order for them to become good at whatever it is they do for a living. You cannot just sit back and coast and expect to get better at whatever it is you want to do. So discipline is required in order to get better. Such would be the case with sports. Sports was something that I really enjoyed growing up. It was something that I enjoyed participating in. And if you want to get good at sports, you have to have some personal discipline to get better. You have to be willing to put in the extra time. You have to be willing to put in the extra effort. And there were times in my young life that I thought I was doing pretty good by way of getting better in the game that I was playing and in the sport that I was participating in. And yet it seemed like it, 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 this would happen from time to time. Someone would come along and remind you, uh, you haven't exactly arrived yet. I remember thinking I was pretty good. I, uh, you know, I, I just, 
I was. I was pretty good for my team. Problem was, is we played on a small Christian school team, and we usually played other small Christian schools, and, and so I was a basketball standout if you got the circle small enough, you know, and if, if you didn't have me going against a lot of great players. And so I remember the few times that we played public schools there in Oklahoma, 5A and 6A public schools, and, and you got a glimpse as to what the real athletes looked like and what the real athletes played like. And so you're thinking you're good and you're thinking you're excelling, you're thinking you're putting in the time, only to realize, you know what, I'm not near as good as I think I am. I'm not, as, I'm not near as impressive as I think I am. And so we understand this, I think, tonight. I don't want to spend a long time trying to illustrate this, but we understand this thought, we understand this principle, that if we want to excel, that if we want to do well, if we want to be great at anything, it requires personal discipline on our part. Now that in mind, I want to ask you another little simple question. You don't have to answer it out loud unless you want to, but just think about the question and see what you think would be the most logical answer to the question. The principle that we've just talked about or that I've talked about and you've sat through and, and listened to, this idea of personal discipline being required in order to be great, do we think the principle would be any different in relation to our spiritual lives? Well, the answer would be no. And if you're not sure what I'm talking about, just think about this. If you do not want to live a mediocre spiritual life, it will require personal discipline on your part. If I don't want to live like mainstream Christianity these days, if I don't want to live like the status quo of Christianity these days, if I don't want to be just an average Christian, then it is going to require on my part some personal discipline that maybe not everyone else who calls themselves a Christian is willing to put forth. I know this, and you would probably agree with this, I trust that you would, but I know this, that if I am going to live an exceptional Christian life, if I am going to live a Christian life that is not mediocre, that is not average, that is not status quo, then I am going to have to be willing to discipline myself in, uh, in different areas because if I'm not willing to discipline myself, I'll not excel, I'll not live an exceptional Christian life, and as good as I may think I am, there will always be examples around me proving I could do better. Now, if you think about that, the next line of questions or the next line of logic could be then something like this. Where do I need personal discipline if I want my spiritual life to excel? Where do I need to exercise personal discipline in my spiritual life if I don't want to live a mediocre, average, status quo Christianity? Well, somebody may say something like this. You have to be disciplined in your church attendance. And that would be fair, would it not? I mean, think about this. If you've ever known people who couldn't quite get there on a regular basis, you're usually talking to someone who is not living an exceptional Christian life. 
Somebody who is just quite not able to get there. They're not quite able to, to get out of bed that morning. They're not quite able to, to get up by 1045 so as to be at church by 11. They're just not quite able to get back in church, you know, the next week or the next week or the next week, whatever it may be. When you find somebody who does not have the discipline to attend church on a faithful, regular basis, I can promise you you're talking to someone 99 times out of 100 who is just living a very average status quo Christian life. That's what you're seeing. So where do you need discipline? Well, you need it in your church attendance. Somebody may say something like this. Well, you certainly need some discipline when it comes to being in the Scripture and reading the Bible. Would you agree with that? It's hard to really live the Christian life the way in which it was intended to be lived if you're not in the Word. Somebody says, well, you know, I'm, I'm just so busy. I've just got so much going on. I just don't have time to read the Bible. No, what you have just said is this, is you've not made it a priority in your life. Because we've all got the same amount of time, we've all got the same ability, we've all got the same resources, so if I want to read my Bible, I can make time to read my Bible. If you want to read the Scripture, you can make time to read the Scripture. The question is whether or not you'll be disciplined enough to read the Scripture. But you find somebody who doesn't take time to read the Scripture, and you know what you'll find more times than not? You'll find somebody who's not living an exceptional Christian life. You'll find somebody who's living, at best, just an average, mediocre, status quo Christian life. We have to be in the Word of God if we're going to be growing and excelling, and that requires some personal discipline. Somebody would say something like this. Well, you've got to spend time in prayer. And you do, don't you? I mean, if you really want to live the Christian life the way that it's supposed to be lived, then you and I have to be people of prayer, and that requires personal discipline on our part. It requires discipline to wake up early enough to spend time in prayer before the day begins, does it not? It requires some personal effort, maybe if you like to pray in the evenings, to turn everything off and to shut everything down and to get alone with God and to spend that time in prayer with the Lord. It takes personal discipline. Again, somebody says something like this. Well, you know, I just don't have time. I'm just so busy. I've got so much going on. I just, I'm not able to spend that time in prayer. Again, it's not that you don't have the time. It's that you have not disciplined yourself to make the time to spend it in prayer. So if I want to excel in my Christian life, if I want to be everything that I'm supposed to be in my Christian life, it will require personal discipline on my part, period. It'll require me being disciplined enough to go to church. It'll, be, it'll require me to be disciplined enough to read my Bible, to spend time in prayer. But there is something about the Christian life, and I, I don't know if you'll be able to identify with this or not. I, I don't know. I, I could be just preaching to myself for the next few moments. But if I want to live the Christian life in an exceptional manner, if I want to live the Christian life above the status quo, mediocre, everybody lives their Christian life this way level, if I want to live above that, then you know where I have to be disciplined? I have to be disciplined in my thought process. In my thought process. 
Now, see, for me to say you've got to be disciplined to be faithful to the house of God, that's kind of an obvious one, right? For me to say you have to be disciplined in your spiritual life as it relates to spending time in the Word of God, that's an easy one. For somebody to say, well, you know, you really need to be disciplined as it relates to spending time in prayer in order for your spiritual life to excel, we understand that. But here's what I have found to be true of my own personal life. Again, this may not apply to anyone but me, but I have found this to be true of me that I can be faithful to the house of God and be struggling with my thoughts. I mean, I'll be at church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Sunday school, Wednesday night. I'll be in the house of God every time the doors are open, but I can do every bit of that and still be struggling with my thoughts. I don't know if this has ever happened to you, but I have certainly been involved in the process of reading my Bible and my thoughts be taking me a thousand miles away to what I'm struggling with and what I'm dealing with and what's happening in my personal life. Certainly had those moments where I'm trying to spend time in prayer and I'm trying to be positive. I'm trying to be upbeat. I'm trying to think about others. But every pause in my prayer between praying for someone else or something else, my thoughts are taking me right back to me and the situation that I'm dealing with or going through or, or struggling with. It's amazing. I can have all the discipline I need as it relates to going to church, reading my Bible, and spending time in prayer. But when my thoughts have not been taken captive in the way they're supposed to be taken captive, it has an immediate impact on my Christian life and the level of Christianity at which I live. See, if I'm not careful, I can pat myself on the back and say, good boy, you were at church today. Well, good boy, you read your Bible today. Well, good boy, you you prayed today. Good boy, you did all the things that people say you're supposed to do in order to be a good Christian. But the problem is this, for the last day or two days or three days or four days or a week or two weeks or a month, whatever it may be, I may be struggling in my mind because I don't have the personal discipline that it takes many times to capture the thoughts of my mind and do what the Scripture commands me to do as it relates to what I think about. And I don't know if you'd relate to this. I don't know if you could identify with this, but... I've noticed that whenever I'm struggling with my thought process, I'm not struggling with being too positive. It's not Susie saying, snap out of it, you're being way too positive. This is getting old, Kyle. You're you're just being so positive. I mean, every time we're around you, I mean, you're bringing me up, you're bringing the kids up, and I'm getting tired of this. That's not what she's saying to me. It's not that I struggle being too positive. It's it's not that I struggle being too optimistic. Usually I'm not saying, Susie, it's going to be fine. Susie, it's going to be great. Susie, don't worry. The best days are just ahead. Susie, it's going to be all sunshine and roses tomorrow. That's not usually what I'm struggling with. I'm not usually struggling with too much kindness going through my head. Susie, again, is not saying to me, baby, you got to toughen up. You can't be this kind. 
She's not saying this is ridiculous. You're just being way too kind to everybody at Walmart. Uh, she's never said that to me. She's never said anything like, you know, you're just being way too kind as we wait here in line forever to get service. No, th that, that is not what she says to me. See, here's what happens. In my thought process and in my thought life, I struggle with being too negative. I struggle with being too pessimistic. I struggle with frustration. I struggle with anger. I struggle with worry. I struggle with doubt. I struggle with concern. I struggle with what ifs. Last week on the fishing trip, it was stupid, absolutely stupid. I got bit by a spider on my leg. That night, I was laying in bed and my leg was hurting and my leg was throbbing. And, and you know what happened? The thought process kicked in. Well, the venom's getting me. It's, whatever the poison was, whatever it is, I mean, it, it's beginning to do its thing. And yeah, my leg's throbbing and it's my, my foot. Oh, it's starting to hurt now. And, and, and just my thought process, immediately I was wondering when they would amputate, when they would be taking the leg. You know, is it going to shrivel up? Am I going to be crippled for the rest of my life? It's stupid. Just so you know, I've made a full recovery. You don't need to worry or pray for me. It wasn't quite as dramatic as I thought it was going to be. Can you identify with me at all? That many times in our thought process, we're not as disciplined as we should be. And so instead of being positive, instead of being optimistic, instead of being kind, instead of being uh, just, just overall upbeat in our thought process, nope, we're negative, we're pessimist, we're, we're Debbie Downers, we're mad, we're angry, we're frustrated, we're worried, whatever it may be. But don't question my level of Christianity. See, whenever I don't control my thoughts, you know what I've just done? I have just halted any spiritual progress that I have been in the process of. Because in order for me to be right with God, I have, listen, I have to have control of my thoughts. I have to. Well, how do we know? Well, there are so many places that we could look to in the Scripture to prove that. We could go to so many places that talk about how thoughts lead to action. But this evening, I want us to look in the last part of Philippians chapter 4, verse number 8. Philippians chapter 4, verse number 8. Paul said this, And if there be any virtue, if there be any virtue, and if there be any praise, think on these things. Now, I know that we're familiar with this portion of Scripture. Many of us are. But Paul told the believers there in Philippi to think on these things. What does it mean when Paul says to think? It means this, to evaluate, to consider, or to dwell on these things. And here's the amazing thing. And I, again, I know you know this, but Paul did not just say, now think on good things. Paul has given them a list, and here's what he says. He says, I want you to evaluate, and I want you to consider, and I want you to dwell on these things, the things that I've just given you to think about. 
I want you to meditate on this. I want you to think about this. I want you to evaluate this. I want you to consider this. When your mind would begin to go a thousand different directions, when your mind would begin to take you here, to take you here, to take you here, or take you here, here's what you do. You take those thoughts captive, and you say to yourself, because of some personal discipline, I will not think on those things, and what I will do is I will think on these things. That's when we begin to advance in the Christian life. When we shut down the thoughts we don't need to be thinking about, and we begin to think on the things that Scripture tells us to think about. So what is it that Paul said to the believers in Philippi to think on? Notice he says in verse number 8, Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true. Whatsoever things are true. You need to think on those things. Why would we need to think on something that is true? Because it can be the tendency of man to think on things and to dwell on things that are not true. Things that are not truthful. Now, it's about 740, which means if we get out at the normal time, we've got about 20 minutes left in the service. So understand, please, what I'm about to say. We could be here a very long time thinking about all the lies a person could entertain in their mind. So I'm not going to list all of them by any stretch, but I do want us to think of a few of them because it seems as though these things are plaguing so many people these days. It seems like this, that Christians are hearing a lie more and more like this that says something like this, God just wants you happy, and because you're not happy, then something needs to change because God just wants you happy. And many times people start thinking, okay, well, God wants me happy, so in order for me to get happy, I need to do this because this is what's making me unhappy. And many times, if you follow the thought process and the logic behind people's decisions, here's what they began to do. They began to execute things in their lives that are not biblical because they think that will result in them achieving happiness. Because after all, God wants them happy. That's a lie. It's not that God doesn't want us happy, but there is a way in which to obtain happiness. There is a way in which to obtain joy, and that is by living in obedience to God's Word and doing what God's Word says. And so when Satan would begin to put those thoughts in our minds, well, you know, God wants you to be happy, and it doesn't matter if you disregard the Word of God. So long as you're happy, that's all that matters. You know what Paul would say? Paul would say, friend, that is a lie. And you need to stop thinking on that. Because if you think about that lie long enough, you know what you'll do? You'll begin to do what that lie is telling you to do. What you've thought about, what is in the heart, will eventually come out in your lifestyle. And your disobedience, while it may bring you a temporary measure of happiness, it will lead you to a permanent level of misery. Remember last week, the way of the transgressor is hard? The way of the transgressor is difficult? So there's this lie that creeps into the, the minds of many, many people that says, well, you know what, God just wants me happy, and God doesn't care what it takes to make me happy, and it's a very pragmatic approach to life, which is also a very unbiblical approach to life. 
What am I supposed to do? I am supposed to consider the truth of God's word, evaluate everything by the truth of God's word. And if something enters into my mind, before I just let my mind run with that and dwell upon it and think about it day after day after day after day, I first need to ask myself, is that even true? And if it's not true, I need to shut it down and start thinking about the truth of God's word. Some people start hearing a lie like this in their head. You're not really forgiven. You're not really forgiven. God didn't really forgive you of all those past sins. God didn't really forgive you. Yes, you prayed the prayer, and yes, you got emotional, and yes, you felt good for a while, but, but listen... You still need to carry the weight and the guilt of your past sins with you the rest of your life. Friends, if you don't think people are carrying around garbage from years ago, you're not paying attention to the lives that people are living. And you know why that's happening? Because they are listening to the lies of Satan that says you've not really been forgiven, you've not really been restored, you've not really been made right before God, and so they are entertaining lies when they need to just say, Satan, I'm not going to think about that anymore. Satan, that's not what I'm going to dwell on. I am going to choose to dwell on that which is true, and whenever I called out to God and asked him to forgive me. That is exactly what he did. And I will not walk around with guilt in my life for the rest of my life. I'm going to dwell on that which is true. This lie is so prevalent. The grass really is greener over there. It really is. You know, if you just go to that side of the fence, whatever that would represent in a person's life, you know, if you would just go to that side of the fence, it'd be so much better than this side of the fence. That's a lie. It's a lie. I can't tell you the number of times I've had to remind myself that that's a lie. Just because things aren't going the way that I'd like to see them go right now, maybe because I'm frustrated right now, maybe because I'm irritated right now with, with something that's going on, I, I cannot get it into my head and I cannot begin to think about this idea that, well, if I just went somewhere else and my family just relocated somewhere else, then all my problems would go away. No, you know what would happen? I'd find the exact same problem somewhere else. It would just be at a different address with different names of people in different situations. But in the end, it would all be the same. Because people are people everywhere. I'm not going to be any smarter someplace else. I'm not going to be any more godly someplace else. And to think that all my troubles would go away if, you know, if my location changed. No, the grass is not always greener over here. It's a lie. Satan feeds people's, people, Satan feeds people lies in relationships. He doesn't love me anymore. Where did that come from? Well, you know, he just looks at me different now. Where did that come from? Did he say he didn't love you? Well, no, but, you know, I just, I can tell. 
listen. Until there is clear evidence that he doesn't love you anymore, don't listen to the lie. Dwell on the truth. I don't think she's infatuated with me anymore. I promise you she's not infatuated with you. (laughs) I learned that about 18 and a half years ago. But it doesn't mean she doesn't still love you. Well, I think my parents love my brother more. I think my parents love my sister more. Okay, did they tell you that? No, I, I can just tell. You see how many ways in which we can begin to believe a lie? And like I said, we could be here for a great long time tonight. But here's the bottom line. Whenever the lies begin to creep into our head, whatever they may be, if we want to live an exceptional Christian life, if we want to live a life that is above average and above the status quo, then we have got to have enough personal discipline in our spiritual lives that when the lies come, we say, nope, I'm not thinking about that. I'm thinking on things that are true. Because there's a vast difference between that which is true and that which is false. Notice what he said next. He said, finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest. Now, some may say, well, isn't that just like that which is true? Well, it could, but the word also means this, to be honorable, noble, or dignified. Think on things that are honorable, noble, or have a measure of dignity to it. How many of you are glad that we cannot push a button somewhere and see on a screen everything that you thought this week? Because not everything that passes through our minds are too honorable. Not everything that passes through our minds are too noble. I think many of us would be quite embarrassed if every thought we had had in the last seven days was available on manuscript for us to pass around and show everyone. Here is what your preacher has thought about in the last seven days. Well, I didn't think about it long. Just thought about it. Uh, I could stand before you this evening and say, you know, all of my thoughts, they're, they're honorable. You know, all of my thoughts, they are, they are noble. But sometimes they're just not Sometimes my thoughts are not too preachery. And sometimes I've got some thoughts racing through my head that if people knew what was racing through my head, I probably wouldn't have much influence in their lives anymore. Because I'm a human like anyone else, and Satan wants to say, Think on these things. Think on these things. Think on these things. And if I'm not careful, you know what I'll do? 
think I will. I think that's exactly what I'll think on for a while. That's exactly what I'm going to dwell upon. That's exactly what I want to consider and to evaluate. Yeah, I'll think on that. No, no. if I want to live above the status quo in my Christian life, then I've got to think honorable thoughts. I've got to think respectable thoughts. I've got to think some thoughts that have some dignity attached to it and not let my mind go places it doesn't need to go. But he said next, not just whatsoever things are true and whatsoever things are honest, but he says whatsoever things are just. What does it mean for something to be just? It means that it is right or it is righteous. How many of us tonight would have to be honest and admit sometimes we just get off in our thinking? It's not as though it's mean. It's not as though it's, it's detestable. It's not as though we're, we're wishing that people would, you know, just have problems or, or whatever it may be. I mean, you know, sometimes our, our thinking just gets off. You start thinking, and before long, you realize that's pretty carnal. I'm sure glad that one wasn't written down for the manuscripts Wednesday night. Again, it wasn't that it was just terrible, but I mean, it was carnal, and that was kind of worldly, and that was kind of a, I don't know, that was a secular approach to my thinking. Whatsoever things are just he said whatsoever things are pure whatsoever things are pure what does it mean for it to be pure it means to be holy or morally clean i know we don't want to spend a long time on this one because that can make us feel really uncomfortable but over the course of your life have you ever had thoughts that just morally speaking, you went there. And you went there far too long. Somebody says, well, you know, it, it wasn't too dangerous. No, the Bible says what's in the heart will eventually come out of the life. What we think about, and I'm paraphrasing, of course, but it's the principle, what we think about is what we will become. I mean, the Bible says that it's by the renewing of our minds that we're transformed into the image of God. And, and so it begins with our thought process. And, 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 and men, we can sit here and act like, oh, nope, all of my thoughts are always morally pure. Let's just be honest tonight, men. Many of us, if we're not careful, can struggle because that's where our mind many times likes to take us. And as I mentioned Sunday morning in Sunday school, sometimes we'd like to say, well, I'm past that. Well, I haven't hit that magical age yet. And so it requires discipline on my part. So I'm not going to think about that. I'm not going to consider that. I'm not going to ponder that. Why? Because first of all, it's wrong and it's sin. But second of all, Susie would be highly offended if she could walk into the room and read my mind right now. So if I want to live above the average, if I want to live above the status quo, then I have got to say any time an impure, immoral thought comes to mind, I've got to say, I'm not thinking about that. I can't be right with God and I can't be right with Susie doing that. Notice what he said next. He says, whatsoever things are lovely. What does it mean to be lovely? It means to be sweet, to be gracious, to be generous or patient in your thoughts. Whoa. Failed that one. Hurry it up, stupid. 
How long does it take you to figure out there are two sandwiches up there? Which one do you want? That light ain't getting any greener, dummy. I mean, isn't it amazing how fast the thoughts of unloveliness can enter into the mind? I mean, like one minute you're all fine, the next minute you've lost all patience, you've lost all graciousness, you've lost all generosity, you've lost all sweetness. I mean, it's like everybody is stupid except for you. And if you're not careful, you can stay in that train of thought to the point that you get this attitude of superiority and nobody does it quite as good as you. And nobody is quite at the level of you, and nobody can meet your expectations. And, and, and I'm just telling you, we can be gracious on the outside, and on the inside our thoughts can be, I'm dealing with morons. Y'all probably don't do that, I'm just saying. I've heard that other people did do that one time. And then he says, not just whatsoever things are lovely, but whatsoever things are of a good report. What does it mean for it to be of a good report? It means to be well thought of or highly regarded. It's kind of like you would think on things that good people ought to be thinking about. That's what you think about. Let's just say you're kind of lost in thought and you're not really forcing yourself to not call people stupid in your mind, or you're not forcing yourself to not think that impure thought, whatever it may be. But, but you know, you're just meditating, you're just thinking, you're, you're just driving down the road, whatever it may be. It ought to be that even in the quietness of the day, in the quietness of the moment, whatever it is, that where you would allow yourself to go by way of thought would be things that are well thought of or, or highly regarded, that you wouldn't have to be embarrassed if somebody were to say, what are you thinking? Because sometimes if people said, what are you thinking? We'd have to lie and say, oh, nothing. Or not much. Because where the thought process is at, it's not exactly where it ought to be for the child of God. Now, again, I want us to think about this. If I want to live an exceptional Christian life, do I need to be faithful to the house of God? Well, of course I need to be faithful to the house of God. Do I need to spend time in the Word? Of course I need to spend time in the Word. Do I need to spend time in prayer? Of course I need to spend time in prayer. But I promise you, this gets overlooked in our Christian life more than we care to admit. What do I allow myself to think about? And as I said just a moment ago, here's what I know for me to be a, a sincere, genuine struggle. I can be doing good. I mean, really, doing good. Okay, good thoughts, happy thoughts, positive thoughts, generous thoughts, sweet thoughts, noble thoughts, whatever it may be. And that fast, my whole thought process just done a 180. And everything positive I was thinking is now negative. Everything that was excited is now negative. And, and, and everything that was praising the Lord is now questioning the Lord. One moment I'm rejoicing in my salvation, and the next moment I'm, I'm questioning God. Why isn't it better than this? Take those thoughts captive. 
Say, by the grace of God, Lord, I don't want to think on those things. And God, I'm asking you right now to help me. I don't want to dwell on that. I don't want to go someplace stupid in my thought process. I don't want to lay here tonight and lose sleep because I think they're going to amputate my leg because of a spider bite. Just just take those thoughts captive and say, God, that, that is not what I want to be about. I want to think on these things that are true, that are honest, that are lovely, that are, that are pure, whatever it may be. God, I want to control my thoughts because that is where... Christianity many times is made or broken because we don't control the thoughts. So you may sit here tonight and you say, man, pastor, I cannot believe you struggle with that like you do. It's a shame you're not more like me. Lord bless you. I'll kiss your ring as you leave or whatever I need to do to show you the proper honor. I'm just saying... For me, my thoughts are a struggle. And probably for many of you, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And I need the reminder as much as anyone could need the reminder because I know I fell in this area as much as anyone could fell in this area. It is so hard to remember. Take it captive. Don't go there. Think on these things. Let's all stand tonight and bow our heads for a word of prayer. Father, I do pray that you'd help us tonight to be men and women who strive to discipline ourselves in our spiritual life to be very mindful and attentive to the thoughts that we have. Lord, it sounds weird in a way, but we need to think about what we're thinking about. And so, Lord, I pray that you'd help us to give attention to that. I pray that you'd help us to not get lost in thought. I pray that you'd help us to not... uh, Let the circumstances of life change our thinking to where we're no longer thinking on those things that are pure and holy, whatever it may be. God, would you help us tonight to be reminded that we just need to think on that which is pure, that which is lovely, the things that we've looked at tonight. I pray these things now in Jesus' name. Amen. As Lauren plays, if you need to pray, please do.